everyone. I'm Emily Chang, and this is Bloomberg Studio 1.0. When I first interviewed Nick Woodman a few years ago, he literally jumped out of the studio chair in the middle of the interview to show me how the GoPro camera could go high and go low and catch new and unexpected angles. Our own cameras had to scramble to catch his moves. Since then, the action sports camera maker has had its own ups and downs big ones. Like a shot of adrenaline spiking an extreme athlete's heart rate, GoPro shares soared when it went public in 2014. Woodman became the highest paid CEO in America. The company branched out into media and content and even launched a drone. But in a spectacular turn of events, GoPro Jones started falling out of the sky, literally. The stock fell too, and the media strategy sputtered. There were layoffs, and GoPro tumbled down a road as bumpy as its scariest footage. But when we sat down with founder and CEO Nick Woodman in March 2019, GoPro had stabilized, become profitable, and gone back to its roots, making cameras. Here's that conversation. Joining me today on Bloomberg Studio 1.0, GoPro founder and CEO Nick Woodman. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for coming. And having us here yeah. at GoPro headquarters. So you've had some high highs and you've had some low lows. Mm -hmm. What do you think the best sort of action sports metaphor is here? Is it like riding a big wave and wiping out and getting back on your board? Or how would you describe it? Mm, I think it's more of a climb. Mm. Uh, more of a free climb. I think actually free climbing, climbing without ropes is a really good metaphor for being an entrepreneur. Uh, because you start out uh, with an idea, which you know is a bit of a cliff, uh, but you think, you know, I've got this, I can, I can climb that, no problem. And you start climbing, and then once you get enough into the climb, into the pursuit of your, your idea, um, you get far enough along that you can't stop climbing because it's too far down but the question is, do you believe in yourself? Do you believe, do you believe in the climb? Do you believe in the idea? And if you do, you've, you've got to keep climbing. So uh, I started climbing in 2002, yep. and uh, some pitches have been straightforward, and some pitches have been challenging and in, inverted, and you're hanging by one hand, uh, but it's been a great climb, and uh, it's going really well now. At one point, the company was worth almost $12 billion. Now it's closer to $1 billion, and it's been that way now for, for a few years. Do you feel like you fell off the cliff, or you just were hanging on? It's been a, uh, an, a climb with highs and lows, as you, as you mentioned, but mostly highs. I mean, to have achieved what we've achieved, still be doing what we're doing, still be a leader in every market that we sell around the world and being recognized as a real technical innovator, uh, in digital imaging as a whole, uh, I'm blown away by what we've accomplished with GoPro and, and uh, momentum is in our favor. And I love the optimism, but I'm curious for you emotionally, I mean, how have you handled this? Like, have you had moments where you, where you felt pessimistic, where you felt like maybe I can't get to the top? Oh, absolutely. Um, I've had, you know, I've gone through every human emotion. I don't think consumer interest in capturing and sharing your experiences is gonna go away ever. So I think the opportunity for GoPro is everlasting. And so even in the, the toughest times, I would ask myself, is our work meaningful? And is our work appreciated? And the answer has always been yes, 
we just need to adjust our approach to solving these challenges for people and we can thrive again and we've done that and GoPro is thriving again. So let's talk about where you came from, where the idea came from. You grew up not too far from here uh, in California and what kind of kid were you? I mean, were you like surfing at three years old or? No, I wish. <laughs> no, I didn't start surfing until I was about 10 or 11. Mm -hmm. um, and because I grew up 30 minutes from the ocean, I didn't even know what surfing was until I saw uh, magazine tearouts on a friend's wall. And I saw, you know, uh, beautiful places, beautiful faces, beautiful waves, and oh my God, I want to be a part of this. Content got me started on my path, those magazine tearouts on the wall. And now we're leveraging content to inspire people to go out and, and pursue their own interests. And, and you actually studied visual arts and creative writing in college, which is not your typical Silicon Valley CEO. Yes, I didn't go to Stanford, and I didn't study business, and um, but uh, I have a creative background, um, and I've learned business on the go. Uh, but I think my creative background, you can see it in our brand and everything we do at GoPro. And in, in times where I really don't know what to do, I, I really rela rely on my creative training to help uh, find the way. You started a couple companies out of school that didn't quite get off the ground, but they sound pretty cool. And Power <laughs> they, had cool All, they had great names. <laughs> Empowerall.com yes. and Funbug. Empowerall.com failed, Funbug.com failed. I had no inspiration for what to do next, so um, I decided to uh, take what money I'd saved up uh, from my previous job and take a five-month surf trip around Australia and Indonesia. Mm -hmm. I'm a big believer that if you follow your passions, if you're engaged in your passions, you have some of your best ideas. And wouldn't you know, I had my idea for GoPro before I even left for the trip, which was um, a very crude uh, bodyboard strap that would hold a, uh, I took a bodyboard strap and reconfigured it to hold a camera to my wrist so I could surf with it. It worked so well, I thought, oh, that, this might be my business idea. You and your now wife were selling necklaces out of a van. You were living in the van. Were you real, real beach bums? We were entrepreneurial. I mean, we were making money. Entrepreneurial beach bums. Selling bead and shell belts out of a 74 Volkswagen bus is anything but being a bum. That was <laughs> pretty cool. Um, my uh, girlfriend, who's now my wife, uh, when we were in Indonesia, um, we had a bunch of bead and shell belts made that we brought back to California with us. And we spent uh, two months driving up and down the coast of California, selling these belts out of my, my 70s Volkswagen. And it's literally uh, served as the seed, seed money, the bead money uh, for GoPro. I sold about $10,000 worth and uh, used that to help start the company. This is one of the first cameras? Yes, that's the first GoPro. Okay. And that sold for $20 in surf shops, snorkel shops, uh, and we built the GoPro of today off of this uh, 35 millimeter reusable film camera. So hang on, you're on this, your wife's on this. Yeah, it, it, in um, the, the making of this packaging, I didn't really have a budget to hire any models, so <laughs> that's me, that's me, that's me, that's my wife. Didn't you like borrow a sewing machine from your mom to make the belts? Yes, or something. I started GoPro with 20,000 that I'd saved, plus the 10,000 from selling bead and shell belts. That's 30,000. And then my mom loaned me $35,000 in a sewing machine. So I, I launched GoPro with $65,000 in a sewing machine. 
and then down the, the road over the next couple of years to build inventory, my, my dad loaned me a couple hundred thousand. Uh, I paid my mom and my dad back. Okay. And both became shareholders in the company, so always pay your parents back. Uh, but the GoPro that you know today was built on $265,000. We took outside investment uh, along the way before going public, but we never spent the investment money that we brought in. So I can say that really we built this global brand and, uh, and leader on 265000 And I found this camera, the first GoPro, actually on an early version of Alibaba. Mm -hmm. And I reached out to the company that made it, but we couldn't communicate very clearly, and, mm -hmm. and so we agreed just to email. Uh, their English was much better than my Chinese, but I still uh, uh, I, I couldn't uh, do it over the phone. And I ended up making this first GoPro without ever meeting the company that made yeah. it. I wired $5,000 for injection molding, and uh, they turned out to be a legit company. And, and they sold it to, to you for $3, and you were able to sell it for $30. FOB Hong Kong, which means you know, when you take uh, receipt of it uh, at, the, at the port in Hong Kong. And then uh, I sold these to surf shops, uh, snorkel shops for $10, and they would go on and sell it to the end consumer for $20. Yeah. So when did you realize like this was a thing? Like people really wanted this. GoPro was successful um, from the very first trade show. Mm -hmm. uh, profitable from the very first trade show. I mean, we had no overhead. It was just one employee, me. I can still remember our, our first sale was to a Japanese distributor and uh, he bought a couple thousand units and I thought, oh my God, I'm, a, I'm successful right out of the gates. Mm -hmm. That first year we did 150,000 in sales and then the next year 350 and then 800,000 in sales, three and a half million, eight and a half million, 19 million, 64 million, and then it just ran away. You're listening to my conversation with GoPro founder and CEO, Nick Woodman. Coming up, how Woodman went from selling shell necklaces out of a van to becoming one of the richest CEOs in America. I'm Emily Chang. This is Bloomberg Studio 1.0. When you think about the success, and I think a lot of aspiring entrepreneurs debate this question and want to know, how much do you think was luck and access, and how much do you think was skill and creativity? A ton of luck. Uh, timing is incredibly important in business. Some people are able to identify market trends and, and time things really well, and they're fantastic at it. Others, like myself, are just incredibly fortunate that they had the right idea at the right time, uh, and they merged that with a determination to make it happen. I worked seven days a week, 365 days a year for the first few years, never took a single vacation, never took a, a, a break, never took a day off, and I sacrificed a lot of my personal life and, and some personal relationships I'd say, to, to make GoPro successful, but I was gonna succeed no matter what. In 2012, you took money from Foxconn. You sold an 8% stake, 9% stake in the company. That valued the company at $2.25 billion. Mm. That made you a billionaire. 
Mm. Long way from the van mm. in Australia. People called you the mad billionaire because you're adventurous <laughs> or something. Did you, what did, did you like that nickname? I, it made for a good uh, story title. Uh, no, I think um, I'm enthusiastic and I, I love to uh, explore and I love to be adventurous and try different things. And so if that makes me mad, I'm mad. How did you sort of handle that transition from like the guy selling necklaces in, a, in the van to like one of the wealthiest CEOs in the United States? Uh, part of it uh, felt like and still feel, does feel like a Disney movie. Mm. Um, you know, you, one of the things I'm most proud of is I'm exactly the same as I was when I was living out of the van. Mm. I mean, look at me. <laughs> <laughs> but, and, and authenticity is one of the most important things, I think, in life. It's definitely one of the most important things at GoPro. Um, and people know when you're authentic. Our customers know when we're authentic. And uh, that's something that's really important to me. You took the company public in 2014. A lot was made of how much money you were making, mm. your foundation, how much you were giving to the foundation. There was a lot of controversy around that. Yeah. Do you think that was fair? No, uh, but I also understand um, how the world works, how media works, uh, how the markets work. And ultimately, it's not whether it's fair or not. Um, it's just uh, how you manage it. And I try not to get too caught up in, in all of that. I'm, I'm not here to do anything else than be a terrific husband to my wife, terrific father to my children, uh, try to be a positive contributor to the world, and ultimately be the best CEO I can be for GoPro. And I'm really proud of the work I'm doing on all fronts. So in 2016, that's when things started to change. There were layoffs. There were layoffs in 2017. What was happening? inside the company? We were trying uh, a lot of new things. Just because you're successful in one area doesn't mean it necessarily translates to success in, in another. I use an analogy that uh, just because you're an all-star pitcher doesn't necessarily mean you can go and play quarterback. In an effort to grow GoPro beyond our initial success, we tried many different things that made a lot of sense. At one point you were like, we're gonna be a media company. That's right, and I still think we have a lot of opportunity in many of these areas and, and more, but uh, we didn't uh, have the right approach, we didn't have the right skill set, and I think we maybe uh, took on too much too soon, and we would have been better served, I believe, to stay, you know, hindsight's 2020, but to stay very focused on what um, our, our core purpose, I believe, our core purpose in the world is, which is to help people capture and share experiences that would otherwise be difficult to do. And uh, now we're back to that, and wouldn't you know, the business is growing again. We're on track for profitability again. You also got into drones. And that, at the time, also made sense. But then the drones started falling out of the sky, and it was all caught on GoPro. What went wrong there? It was a very big deal because of a very simple problem. Uh, there was a, a hinge that holds the battery into its compartment. The hinge was made out of plastic and it would deflect over time and lose its retention and the battery would back out from vibration. And you only have to have a battery back out just a little bit to lose power. Uh, once we replaced that hinge with a metal hinge, uh, problem solved. But you know, our challenge in the drone space wasn't because of that initial product uh, failure. It was because um, there's just that the consumer drone market, we're a consumer company, 
consumer product company. Consumer drone market just isn't as big as everybody thought it was going mm -hmm. to be. We looked at it and we said, not enough of our customers want these. There's not enough profit to be made. It's too expensive to be in. Let's get out of the business. So how did you decide to go back to your roots to focus on making cameras, making a good camera, which is the, why the company took off? After uh, two and a half years of uh, really teenage years of finding our way, um, we reflected on what made us so successful uh, in the first 12 years of our business. And we recognized that during those years, we were laser focused on solving the problem of how to help people capture and share their active lifestyle. That's all we did. And so we decided to go back to that winning formula and go back to the same product strategy and go to market strategy that was so successful during those years. In 2018, uh, we had very good quarterly performance, meeting or beating guidance every quarter, and we reestablished you know, our reputation as a predictable business, and that's continuing on into 2019. So that's something that we're really proud of. Now, you're not doing this in a vacuum. I mean, there is competition. There's Sony. There's various Chinese companies that are doing what you do or trying to do what you do. How do you continue to differentiate your core product when there's you know, folks out there that are trying to make it cheaper and better? Reinvent it and push the limits every year. I've been very uh, vocal about our need to come out with exciting new products every year. That was one of the lessons learned, uh, was that in years where we didn't come out with something new and exciting for our customers, sales dropped. One of the reasons that um, we've maintained our leadership position in every market that we sell in around the world uh, is because we are relentless in developing new uh, innovation and, and new products. And I think we're running at a pace that is difficult for anybody else to keep up with. You mentioned some of our competitors. They haven't come out with new products in the last two or three years. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, we're just wearing everybody out. That was GoPro founder and CEO Nick Woodman. Next up, we talk about why he moved some of GoPro's production lines out of China in the midst of a trade war, and what the company has done to change its Brotopia reputation and make sure women are buying their cameras too. I'm Emily Chang, and this is Bloomberg Studio 1.0. Stay with us. There was the threat of tariffs uh, between the United States and China, and you decided to move some of your production out of China. That's right. Tell me about that. We are moving our US-bound uh, camera production to Mexico, but uh, we are keeping rest of world production of cameras in China. So cameras that are going to Europe or cameras that are destined for Asia will still be produced in China. Uh, but the US bound production in Mexico helps us avoid any threat of tariff. So you saw the trade tensions happening and said, we're not gonna get caught in this. We have a, a saying at GoPro, um, we don't wanna be a deer in headlights, we wanna be the ones driving the truck. And then we're gonna, turn, we're gonna not hit the deer either, don't worry about the deer, but we definitely don't wanna be the deer. And so we said, let's, let's go research where else we would build our products for the U.S. market. Uh, we, end, we landed on Mexico, 
And as uh, through our research, we, we learned that there were also financial benefits, logistical benefits to doing so uh, anyway, uh, regardless of tariffs or no tariffs. So whether or not uh, the uh, tariff threat uh, to our product category becomes real, we're, we're happy to be moving our uh, U.S. bound production to Mexico. You invited me here to speak about my book, which is called Rotopia, and it's about the challenges that women face in technology. And you, you, your team was very upfront about their own cultural issues that they were trying to work through. And you know, all of this was happening as you were trying to turn the company around. You know, talk to me about how you worked through some of those cultural issues inside your own company. Um, I was fortunate that um, since the founding days of GoPro, uh, I've had some powerful women in the business. My wife, uh, she's employee number three, um, and uh, my two sisters. And they were pretty vocal in the early days about, um, you know, that GoPro being founded in a sport, action sports culture and so forth, it was very easy to gravita gravitate towards sort of more of a male-dominated voice and, and imagery and so forth. But then even with their influence um, along the way, I, I remember uh, reading uh, some employee posts and, and hearing a bit internally that the term was, GoPro's got a bit of a bro-bra culture. And what that meant was, unless you were a guy or and you were friends with your manager, it was gonna be hard to advance through the, the, the ranks of the company. Uh, and uh, after the first time that I heard that, uh, we went to work on that. And that's really important to us because not only do we need to be diverse because it's important for the health of the company internally, it's also important for the health of the company as a consumer product brand. Right. Because our customers are so diverse. Do more men buy GoPros? I mean, do you think you've yes, served the, the, the women market they well do. enough? No, you can always do better. Uh, the markets that we serve are male dominated, so that skews the sales. Um, we're, as of a year ago, roughly 70% uh, uh, male, 30% female customer base. Um, it's improved. Um, so what have you done to tap the female market? As a brand in all of our marketing, uh, it's really important to us to celebrate and showcase female accomplishments and uh, whether athletic or culinary or musically or artistically and not just uh, be the male dominated, dominated brand that I think we, we were in our early days. Uh, and it's, it's been good for our business. And our, but even more importantly, our whole brand purpose is to celebrate all that's diverse and positive in the world and leverage GoPro as a platform to inspire people to live more positive and inspired lifestyles. Um, and so to do that effectively, we've got to be diverse in, in, in that celebration. You've mentioned you're open to selling the company. Are you still open uh, to selling again. the company? <laughs> I work at Bloomberg, I got yeah. that question. <laughs> As a uh, CEO of a public company, every CEO of a public company is open to selling the business if it's uh, what's right for the business and what's, what's right for shareholders. This is not what I spend my, my days thinking about or our team spends its time thinking about. We're focused on building the, the strongest, most profitable GoPro possible. Um, and I think we're doing a, a terrific job of that. If I remember correctly, you've got, you've got three kids. Three little boys. Three boys. I have three boys too. All right. Um, 
And I remember that because when we did our first interview, I was showing you how to get down low and yes, film them. Yes, you were yeah. talking about your kids, with the a, video with a, that with you With a were phone, you film the top of your kids' heads. With a GoPro, you just put your arm down and you, yeah. you get at their eye level, and it's a beautiful thing. So, like, what's your advice to your kids? What kind of lessons do you want to impart to them? Stay authentic to yourself. Don't do uh, anything for because somebody else thinks you should do it. Um, follow your own dream, follow your own passion, and I, I think that our interests are our roadmap to our lives. And um, our, our interests are what compel us to you know, get out of bed every morning, get off the couch, and move in a certain direction. Some of us don't listen to the voice inside of ourselves, and we do what other people think that we should do, and then we wonder why we don't find fulfillment or happiness. Mm -hmm. So I try to t instill my kids with the confidence to uh, follow their, their heart and their mind, and that'll lead them to where they should be in the world. All right, Nick Woodman, CEO and founder of GoPro. Thank you. Thank you. Bloomberg Studio 1.0 is produced and edited by Kevin Hines. Our executive producer is Candy Cheng. Our managing editor is Danielle Culbertson. I'm Emily Chang, your host and executive producer. This is Bloomberg.